service to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, Jean-Luc. Jean-Luc. I'm Captain Catherine Janeway of the USS Voyager. Captain Catherine Janeway of the USS Voyager. Welcome to the greatest generation, Voyager. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Adam, uh, this is a Power Hour episode. I, I mean, I think that like the idea at its core of the show is two buddies having a laugh talking about an episode of a television show they love and just watched. And that like kicking back and forth things about the show you just watched while drinking a beer with a bud is, you know, something that escalates every so often. As in today's episode, which is a Mornhammered episode. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot like that movie Another Round. <laughs> you were telling me I need to watch this movie, and then I did. And I loved it, by the way. But like, without giving too much of the story away, the drinking begins as fun and consequence-free until someone has the idea to really raise the stakes of the drinking. And that is very familiar to those who enjoy the Greatest Generation episode to episode in relation to those semi-infrequent Mornhammered episodes that we run into. Yeah. The logic of if some drinking is good, more must be better has been disproven over and over again by this show. That's right. Yeah. And here we are again to disprove it once more. <laughs> yeah. We're providing an abundance of data. Oh, yes. I hate this. It is revolting. And we're actually doing it a little bit more scientifically this episode. Uh, we always warn people listening at home, do not drink along with us. This is not something we recommend or encourage anyone to do. Right. But also, you won't really be able to time it right with us because we edit the show. So the intervals between shots are much squishier in the edited version than they are in real life. But you came up with a great idea of looking for a power hour website. And so what we have here is a shared screen between the two of us. It's the Power Hour Timer. <laughs> what is it? Powerhour.beer? Yeah, this site deserves a free plug. Powerhour.beer is going to be the timer <laughs> that we use. And it's an idea so good. I'm surprised that we haven't used this before. Like, obviously, this yeah. is a website that has existed for a long time. It's a great idea. I'm sh I, I wonder if the creator has done anything to protect himself in terms of liability because <laughs> doing a power hour is a bad idea full stop yeah i am doing this power hour a little differently from how i've done them in the past you have thrown a ton of shade at me for how squishy my shots are <laughs> i'm trying to be more scientific okay. this time what here's what i really wanted to do i have not enjoyed previous power hours, mostly because my beers have just gotten warm. Yeah. What I've done is I've taken my 18-quart Cambro and then filled it with ice. So what oh, I've nice. got is ice-cold beer next to my desk. I've got our Tour Yeti can koozie here. I'm going to be drinking ice-cold shots throughout. And I've gone and I've done like the pre-measured. I know exactly what a shot looks like in the shot glass that I have. Okay. Uh, this okay. is going to be official on my end so that the shade can stop from you to me. <laughs> I'm going to be playing this game legit, which means I'm going to be pretty rocked by the end because I don't know about you. I haven't had beer in the house in maybe the entire pandemic. 
yeah. I've, I've been a wine and spirits guy almost exclusively. And so I don't know what this is going to do to me. That's been my story as well. I've really not had much beer in the last 18 months. And I discovered a store in my neighborhood that sells Olympia brand beer, which is a crushable Pilsner style beer from mm -hmm. the Pacific Northwest. Usually a regional treat, but there's a store down here that gets it. So I picked up a pack for you and a pack for me. I'm also going to be doing this as scientifically as I can. I still don't own a proper shot glass, but I have my promotional Averna Amaro glass, and it actually has two centiliter and four centiliter measurements on... For the viewers at home, Ben has held up the vase of a bouquet of flowers. That's the size of it. <laughs> it's a very tall glass, but it does have little like graduations on the there you go. on the side. And I poured a an ounce and a half of water in it before I brought it out here to my studio to to see like where an ounce and a half is relative to that four centiliter line. It's a little bit over. So you you're measuring from the desktop or the bottom of the glass? <laughs> measuring from the base, as always. There you go. And I too have my Yeti can koozie and I have a little I have this little six-pack cooler that I picked up at a grocery store years ago. That's cute. It's really cute, but I almost never put six-packs in it because I bought it for making giant blocks of clear ice. Oh, really? So those blocks of ice are blocks, like heavy duty. It's a little cooler the size of a six-pack. You fill it with filtered water and put it in the freezer with the lid off. And what it does is it starts freezing from the top because that's the only non-insulated surface exposed to the cold. And what you're trying to do is catch the ice before it freezes all the way to the bottom. Mm -hmm. And what it's doing is pushing the air and impurities that are in the water toward the bottom as it freezes. So oh. you'll get a two inch thick slab of perfectly clear ice and then water under the underneath it. And if you catch it at the right moment, you pull that slab out and uh, you cut it up with a bread knife into like perfect crystal clear ice cubes that are, you know, that? really like large format. It's really fun. It's very fun to have those. How about that? Very fancy, Mr. Yeah. Harrison. It's the fanciest reason to buy a six pack cooler. There is <laughs> no way in hell I would draw a bread knife over a block of ice and not have it slip and slice <laughs> my palm open. Oh yeah. I have one of those um one of those Kevlar gloves for like oyster shucking and stuff. Damn, and I always wear that when do I'm it. doing that. It seems yeah. extremely dangerous. It's it's frightening even with that glove, I'll say. Yeah. <laughs> well, Adam, I feel like we're beating around the bush a little bit. We've got a great big episode to get into today. Yeah. On, speaking uh, of wearing gloves. <laughs> do you want to get into the episode? It's what we're here to do, Ben. Let the power hour commence with Star Trek Voyager Season 1, Episode 12, Cathexis. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes. I'm not turning around. <laughs> All right, let's get our first shots lined up because we've got... This thing is going to count us down from seven seconds for some reason. All right, uh, I'm ready when you are. Okay. I think it just buzzes for the very first one and then it stops. Bottoms up. All my kexes live in cathexis. <laughs> I looked this word up. I didn't know it. It means when you're like fixated in an unhealthy way on another person. You know all the words. I didn't know I'm, this I'm word. I'm shocked you didn't know this word. I learned this word from this episode. I didn't. <laughs> here's how incurious I am. I didn't know what it means and I didn't look it up. 
I saw it and I was like, this is going to be the name of a kind of alien. And then nobody showed up in the episode named Cathexis. So I was like, it must mean something else. Taking a shot. I was shocked that we've gotten two holodeck episodes in a row. Not that this qualifies as a holodeck episode per se, but, but giving us a cold open set there right after the previous episode felt like a questionable choice, but... Not to ruin it for anyone, this is not a holodeck episode. <laughs> it's just a, just a teaser. Yeah, the captain is uh, doing some R&R. She's, her self-care takes the form of playing a governess in a sort of Bronte-like hollow novel where it's a battle of wits between her and the head of housekeeping or something. They're sparring from the second Janeway walks in the front door. And, Did you get uh, the sense that at first Captain Janeway was in this to to do some power play like the captain goes and mops the floors in the ancient england hollow novel just to like feel that kind of way about things i i was expecting that to be her reason for being there but no like she's still the captain and she's going over the top of mrs templeton here yeah i kind of get the sense that she's gonna get down with lord burley if she uh, gets her way and mrs templeton kind of sees her as a threat to that end Right. But, Lord Templeton re- has really got that Burnside's facial hair going <laughs> in a fun way. He looks like the kind of guy that would hide out in a magical candle. Yeah. In order to do all of the ladies in every generation of a family. Yeah. Wa- watch out for that candle. It's going to jack you <laughs> off. <laughs> I Yeah. Like assuming that this gets to sex pretty quickly, I understand it, but I'm worried that Janeway's way of chilling out is just like getting in psychological combat with somebody. (laughs) That's so intense. Yeah, this does not seem like a very chill program. But we don't get to interrogate its reason for being very much before Kim breaks in with a message. And by break in, I mean he doesn't identify himself or anything. He's there with news that Chakotay and Tuvok shuttle is inbound. And it is extremely fucked up. I thought that this was kind of an interesting moment because Lord Burley has come in and introduced himself and poured himself a glass of brandy, but offered none to Janeway. And I was like, what the hell is Lord Burley's problem? But uh, I never thought about it a single time after this moment. No. Because Tuvok and Chakotay are in a lot of trouble. This is that time in every power hour in between (laughs) five and 10 Mm -hmm. when before your body has had a chance to acclimate to the gases being put into it, (laughs) that is deeply uncomfortable. It it seems like an impossible task right now. It may be an impossible task. I've I've had power hours that I had to punch out of because they were not going well. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we're not going to let that happen here. That's not us. Yeah. I feel like they set up a lot in that hollow novel, like the fourth floor is off limits and stuff. And like so much is set up that it's really amazing how much we don't come back to it. There's coffee in ancient England. I would love it if we never came back here. Like if this is a Delaney (laughs) sister situation where (laughs) I wonder whatever happened to the fourth floor. (laughs) So Janeway meets her injured crew members in Six Bay where... Chakotay has a bunch of like fuchsia burn marks on his face. Yeah. And he is brain dead. And Tuvok is concussed, but in much better shape than, than Chakotay. 
Such an um, irony that uh, Chakotay is brain dead in the same way that the writers of his character are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you hoping for at this point, Ben? I know that you've watched Voyager. You've seen it a bunch of times. I haven't. But I have to admit, it's uh, it's the middle. It's not even the middle. It's toward the end of season one of a Star Trek series. I'm ready yeah. for Chakotay to die. Give me the Tasha Yar treatment. Let's go back to the holodeck and see his weird hologram eulogize everyone else. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm openly rooting for Chicote's demise at this point. I have terrible news for you, Adam. <laughs> well, that's a fun thing to think about going forward. Yeah, there's a lot to think about, Adam. And one of those things is that I'm already done with my first beer. How is that possible? I mean, I just poured out my the end, the end of my first beer. Okay. I think... I must be one behind you. Eight shots? Is that about it? I mean, I think I've I think I got a little bit of a slosher in here. <laughs> I mean, it's hard because the koozie obscures the true weight of the can. It does. It's I've like one sh- of those. I've got a shot head- in the glass and then I got a little bit of a slosh in my can. Okay. I think we're at about the same pace. I think we're closer in pace than we've ever been. At this point I would be <laughs> like a half a beer in and you've and you would be like Openly ridiculing me. I'm doing shots that are closer to pint size. I I think I told you during the last power hour we did that in college, I was roommates with someone who did ice beer power hour against all of our light beer power hour. Damn. (laughs) In a real fuck you kind of way. Yeah. This is also Um, the roommate that woke me up in the middle of the night by almost pissing on me. Hmm. What a weird coincidence. Did I tell you that story? I had a roommate that walked into our closet and thought it was the bathroom and pissed in there. This is evidently a very common thing. I mean, not very common, but like not unheard of thing. Okay, so the last shot just went in the glass. I have an empty can here. I'm reloading. I trust you. When we come back from uh, theme, Tuvok is back to normal and is explaining that they were on like a trade mission and they were taking their bunk bed past a dark matter nebula and doing all of their routine nebula scans to see if there was coffee in that nebula, presumably. (laughs) And and, uh, they got attacked, Adam. There is some minor shade being thrown at Chakotay because... I love this. Tuvok's retelling the story and he's like, yeah, so the bangers were pretty severe. Chicote unfortunately succumbed to the bangers very early on. I, I managed to hang on, <laughs> stay with it long enough to hit autopilot on the shuttle before passing out myself. Just wanted you to know, uh, this is the first officer you selected. Very perceptive, Captain. <laughs> I love seeing a character that like tries to eschew ego talking about losing memory. He says like the details are difficult to remember. Yeah. And I feel like in the mouth of any other character, that would be like in a line that was like impossible to understand. Mm -hmm. Like people are never that sanguine about losing memory. Like it seems like such an emotional thing to, to lose track of. And I really liked that moment in this scene. They're like, they're trying to get to the bottom of this. There was some kind of energy pulse. It hurt both of you, but Chakotay way worse than you. What can you tell us about it? And Tuvok is not much help and is apologetic about that, but he's no miracle worker. 
speaking of the loss of memory, there was a really interesting Reddit thread that I deep dove into not too long ago that was like, hey, if you were in a coma, what do you remember? And a bunch yeah. of people commented on like how much they did remember and how strange it was to like, you're in this liminal state where sometimes you're aware that you're in a coma. Other times you're just in a dream state. You can, in retrospect, remember the touch of your companion and them speaking to you throughout. But like how hard you have to concentrate to consider that as your reality when yeah. you're in a coma. And that's such a strange thing to think about. It, it feels akin to uh, lucid dreaming almost, like how much willpower it takes to be that aware yeah. in the moment. Yeah. I could see it being kind of nice. Sign me up for a coma. How'd you <laughs> this like is to, what I'm trying to say. How'd you like to just kick back that long? Yeah. Not have yeah. to edit this fucking show? <laughs> <laughs> Take a sponge bath twice a week? Oh, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Sounds great. So the idea is like a ship came out of the nebula, attacked them, and then ducked back into the nebula. And uh, what the doctor says is that if I don't have access to the weapon that zapped you guys, I'm never going to be able to put the brains back into Chakotay. So does this becomes the you, mission. Does it strike you be as being extremely frequent that the Voyager encounters a phenomenon where a crew member is essentially dead for all <laughs> intents and purposes and they stop everything and go on like a complete long shot mission to save that character chakotay is like you neelixed me right that's what's happening here are you seriously emanationing me <laughs> <laughs> do you even emanation <laughs> bro uh, <laughs> so they lay in a course for this nebula Tuvok is back at work yeah. concussed but back at his tactical station even 60% of Tuvok is uh, is better than 100% of Kim or whatever <laughs> yeah I mean I would take 10% of Tuvok over 200% of Tom Paris any day of the week. I'd take 5% of Tuvok over 200% of me. <laughs> hey, uh, this might be a good time to ask if you've taken your Broad electrolyte vitamins. This is non-branded content. This is just something oh, that shit. you and I do when we drink heavily. That's a uh, great call. Our drinking vitamins are crucial in a moment like this. And anyone who's a friend of DeSoto that does the uh, kind of social drinking that you and I do, we wholeheartedly recommend the Broad drinking vitamin. They did sponsor the show once. They did. And, and then, then they stopped for whatever reason. Yeah. <laughs> so they start heading toward this nebula. They're like getting some readings off of it. And Janeway is like, hey, listen, this nebula's got like a lot of electromagnetic interference. It's like a perfect hiding place. Dan, follow them into the nebula, sir. Uh, shields would be useless. And so that's weird, right? It's the sort of thing that they scan and it's there and then it's not. Yeah. It's very confusing. And what's more is that I wish we saw the shuttle. We're, we're told that the shuttle is extremely fucked up. Uh, so <laughs> fucked up that its sensor logs have been bashed all to shit. Yeah. There's no sensor logs to go off of. So if they can't scan inside the nebula and their sensors fritz out when they try, 
Captain Janeway in a typical fashion is like, let's head for the nebula. Let's let's get there. And a spooky thing happens on the way to the nebula. <laughs> I love that Broadway show. <laughs> they they head there and then the ship changes course spontaneously. And Paris at the helm is like But she got me on the counter. But it wasn't me. Something fucky going on with this helm is basically Paris's answer and when you I can get your immediate... first big burp out during a power hour, <laughs> it is so satisfying. That's very liberating. Feels so much better. Tom Paris panicking at the helm felt very akin to us panicking at a sound check or panicking right before going live on Twitch. The command was issued from the con. I'm telling you, it wasn't me. The thing that I never missed about touring has returned in full force with that Twitch stream. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty funny, like, they they can like move the helm control over to Kim's station and like that's got to be very humiliating for Paris right like hey like Kim can do his job and your job at the same time yeah (laughs) (laughs) I'm already like feeling pretty buzzed right now TBH it's on Robert Duncan McNeil as Tom Paris is perfect for this he is perfect as the accused he's perfect as the I swear I'm innocent you guys (laughs) he's such a like in the parlance of the tng show bible he is the pex bad boy yeah he's the eddie haskell of this thing he really is i feel like robert duncan mcneil is cool i bet he's a great hang that's uh... like that's the vibe that i get from him and if there's ever a star trek las vegas again i want to have a tiki drink with that guy He and Garrett Wong have a Star Trek Voyager rewatch podcast. Yeah. We should do like a, we should do like a piano bar dueling podcast thing with those guys. In the way that when we first started doing Greatest Gen, we, we punched up at Mission Log. Like Mm -hmm. we should respect Knuckles across the way at them. We should get something going. Not a chance. We should give them finger guns. (laughs) I see you. I see you guys. Yeah. So this, all this panic on the bridge is like, okay, we got to get to the bottom of whatever just happened with our helm control. Obviously, like something is at play that is attempting to make us not go to this nebula and we cannot tolerate that. But um, that's not the only thing that's going on on the show right now because down in Six Bay, we have pan flute based medicine <laughs> being performed by BLT over the slumbering body of Commander Chakotay. I saw a stone in BLT's hand, and I'm like, if the story of the episode isn't going to kill Chakotay, maybe BLT will. Yeah, is this some kind of like ritual stoning to death stone that a Klingon carries on them at all time? Shit is bad when you're rooting for the death of a character. And every episode, I'm hoping for it. The doc walks in, and uh, BLT makes up this story about the medicine wheel, which itself is made up by someone related to this show. The Native American consultant that wasn't a Native American and made up everything that he said. We talk all the time about the quality of things on Star Trek feeling magical. Mm -hmm. 
How come no one looks at the rocks sticking to this tapestry and are going like, whoa! (laughs) (laughs) How are the rocks sticking to that tapestry? Water, fire, air, and dirt. Fucking Magnus, how do they work? Robert Picardo makes a face when BLT explains to him how the medicine wheel works that we all make hearing how this supposedly works. I, I liked the little like switcheroo that they play with this. Like you initially think he's going to be deeply condescending to the kind of medicine that Belana Torres is performing with the magnetison wheel. But in fact, he knows all about it and he knows where she's making mistakes in her performance of the rite and ritual of it. Right. The doctor ends the scene by telling her what he's working with isn't so much of a wheel at all. It's like a wheel that hit a pothole and then exploded. Like (laughs) Chakotay's mind is gone. There's just nothing there. Yeah. You don't want him to like end up in the Valley of the Antelope Woman. That's a great hang over there. Yeah. He'd never come back. An extremely attractive locale. We cut to Kessa's quarters where she detects a presence. And then we cut to POV to confirm this suspicion. (laughs) Yeah. We get kind of predator cam creeping around Spider Kessa's quarters. Someone here? And it's just a brief little scene. Like, it is set up and we don't really get any resolution. The resolution is her telling Neelix at work what happened. Neelix is like, I'm fucking at work. Like, why are <laughs> I you am bringing ladling this my ass off right now? <laughs> I don't have time to talk about presences. And this is the thing that got Neelix off the hook about like, wow, Neelix should really believe women. Like, that isn't it at all. Neelix is fucking working. <laughs> The jaunty chef hat that Neelix has replicated for himself is very aspirational. I love it. Hey, I got a question about this scene. Yeah. Is the walk fire real or effects? Because it looked like effects to me. It looked much brighter and glowier than it has in previous scenes. And If it's I, an effect, it's great. It's great if it's an effect. And yeah. And if not, I think they maybe like changed up the gas mixture or something because it looked like, I mean, you don't want like really, really hot flames when you're working on a set with actors and hot lights and stuff. I want to say it has to be an effect for that reason. Like you can't do five hours with that kind of flame on a walk on a set. When your actor is in a neoprene prosthetic that would- fucking catch on fire in an instant if it was exposed to heat. It's the perfect cookware for an effect too because you contrast it in such a way that it's just black. But there's something about the dimensionality of these flames and how they lick the the walk that like, it's great. It's really well done. The thing that makes me think it's not a special effect is the fact that that camera is pushing in on a dolly the entire scene yeah and this is an era where that like object tracking technology just wasn't there yeah like that would have had to been rotoscoped by like an amazing 3d artist i think you answered it i think it's real and i think that's bad i think they put ethan phillips in a ton of like really (laughs) serious danger (laughs) When we do the Ethan Phillips interview, it's just going to be, how uncomfortable were you in that kitchen Yeah, most of the time? I guess this, the, this episode will come out 
one day before our interview with Mary Wiseman, but she has an amazing anecdote about Doug Jones in our, our interview on tomorrow's episode of The Greatest Discovery, when Doug Jones takes off the loaf. If you're not listening to The Greatest Discovery, you're missing, it's the phantom limb of The Greatest Generation. <laughs> it's right there. Yeah. It's great. Perfect black. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. I feel like a quality of this episode several times, and this is a episode directed by Kim Friedman, who is very familiar as yeah. a Star Trek director. She directed a ton of Trek. Kim Friedman loves beginning a scene with a walk-by. Yeah. And there is a what feels like a real contest winner opening the scene with the captain <laughs> bearing an unfortunate resemblance to Stephen Miller. And I'm like, well, that's cool. That guy won the contest. He gets to deliver some dialogue. This guy's a real character. <laughs> He's a real character, yeah. Pete Durst. Lieutenant Durst. Hilarious. Captain There it is. You're corny. He's going to stick around. Lieutenant Durst is a going concern as of this episode. Star Trek does this sometimes. Like, you think a, a person is just walking through the scene, but they end up sticking around. And Durst is that guy because he talks to the captain. And then this is an important scene because their course changes again. And not only did their course change, they're locked out of helm control. Yeah. Harry can't drive the ship either at this point. And... Paris comes back up from he's been like running diagnostics all over the ship trying to figure out what happened at his station. I still can't find the problem. And he's saying like, I've looked at every junction. I can't figure out what's going wrong. And they're like, well, hey, like we just heard from BLT that you were walking out of navigation control like a minute ago and he's like i like walked by it on my way back up here but i didn't go in am i being accused of something here like a chump like a chump <laughs> like a chump <laughs> that was the drunkest pronunciation of any three words in the history of pronunciation <laughs> i'm really feeling bad right now we're halfway through this thing feeling bad hmm well, let's power through, buddy. After the commercial, uh, they've isolated where the helm block originated. It's navigational control. Very suspicious things happening there. Paris seems to have been there, according to BLT, but he's like, what the hell are you talking about? I super wasn't, according to me. And they're like, we don't really believe you. And so we need you to head down to Six Bay and get your head scanned. He's sitting on the bio bed while Doc Holliday runs the medical tricorder over him, and he starts wistfully talking about Doc Brown. You can't make Doc Brown a character. <laughs> That's the wrong name. You don't. We want gotta go back, Tommy. Back to TNG. <laughs> back when you were a cadet at the academy. That's where it all went wrong, Tommy. You made a starship. Out of an intrepid class ship? <laughs> well, I figured if we were going to get stranded in the Delta Quadrant, we'd do it with a little bit of style. Things get very accusatory and defensive around Paris. And, and again, like I want to reiterate, Robert Duncan McNeil plays this great. 
He does yeah. not understand why he's a suspect here. It's crazy. And what's awesome about this scene is that like Tuvok enters with the confirmation of the thing. And then Janeway and Tuvok just walk away from him and leave him in Six Bay. <laughs> It's such an interesting mode for Robert Duncan McNeil because I th- I feel like what he was cast for originally in TNG and the thing that they liked about him was we're covering up the crime guy. Right. And I- I'm being falsely accused guy is not necessarily the same guy as that. Yeah. But he does great with both things. There's an Andrew McCarthy quality to Robert Duncan McNeil that I hope he would never feel like would be insulting. Like, this is a guy that they picked up in prison, and I don't get a whiff of prison off of him at all anymore. He's a likable everyman. Yeah. We should treat all ex-cons as likable everyman, you know? (laughs) Back on the bridge, Durst starts the scene again, and Tuvok (laughs) reports to Captain Janeway about a ship that attacked them, And I got very confused in this scene, Ben. Like, I do not remember a ship attacking them when (laughs) Tuvok is describing this. Did I miss something? Were you already drunk when you watched this episode? (laughs) What ship are they talking about? What attack? The ship that attacked the shuttle that he and Chakotay were on. They weren't that specific. They just talked (laughs) generally about a ship attack, and I didn't think that it was about the shuttle. It was about the shuttle, trust me. So there's this ion trail that leads to the nebula, and that's the thing. Like, maybe we can follow this ion trail into it, and it's circuitous. And so the plan is to follow this path, right? Like, that's how you get in there. It's a dark matter nebula. You can't just, you you can't do the Janeway thing where you just ram your ship into it. (laughs) There is a bit of a dialogue problem here because he's like, check this out, Captain. I have a evidence that shows a ship going directly into the nebula. And then it cuts to the close-up of the screen and the ship is like weaving. It, like It's the stock photo of a sine wave. Yeah. If, if you or I were dumb enough to get behind the wheel of an automobile right now, this yeah. is the ion trail we would leave. How am I this drunk off of three beers drank this quickly? Like that, That's the vibe <laughs> that I've got. You are really hammered right now. <laughs> I don't like this. I don't like this much beer this fast. It's bad. It's a bad thing to do. I've been nervous all day about this. So the plan is to follow this path, but a banger gets dropped and Kim has only bad news. There's a power drain across the entire ship and the warp core is offline. We cut to engineering to see what the fuck, and BLT has locked out the bridge, knocked out the power, and shut down the warp drive. What the hell, BLT? <laughs> I love this moment because it changes the lighting strategy of the show for the rest of the episode. Like the power being knocked out puts the lighting in a different mode, and it's much darker and much scarier from here on in. Yeah. The music changes too. In a delightful way. And the captain like raging into engineering going, what the fuck did you do to my ship? And BLT being like, I don't know. Like, Captain, you've initiated an emergency warp core shutdown. What? She's kind of like mirroring that same, yeah. I didn't do shit thing that Tom Paris is doing. It's great. I love this. 
People believe it, they're innocent, but they're guilty. It's not something I've ever experienced. I believe I'm guilty even though I'm innocent. In Six Bay, the doc shows Captain Janeway the waveform of Paris's mind. And there's definitely some peaking in some areas, but mm-hmm. what's what's really interesting here is that there are some superimposed brainwaves on top of both Paris and BLT. Yeah, it kind of looks like something got copy-pasted into their brainwaves. And these disruptions, these moments, I guess what the doctor has is sort of the audition file for their brains. For their brains. And he's like, when the ship changed course and Tom Paris said he didn't know what the fuck, something happened in his brain. Yeah. Something possessed him, basically. There's no way for the crew to be under a scanning implement throughout. Mm -hmm. There's no warning system in place. There's no headband anyone can wear to tell anyone else that they're under this kind of control. It's just all reporting. I loved that the second the implications of this become clear, Tuvok hits his communicator badge and says intruder alert. Yeah. Yeah, and then the lighting changes throughout the ship. Intruder alert has always meant a physical intruder in my mind, and he doesn't treat it like that. He's like, "There there is something on this ship that we can't see that we need to take seriously as an intruder. There's some music being played, perhaps, <laughs> where you can't necessarily see the guilty party, and yet people are suffering. Guilty party is present and accounted for. <laughs> I really like episodes like this, where there's just some off-screen power taking control. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. 
And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. I've got to get that Blackboard knob. Are you planning a heist? Gold. Man, there's so much beer on my desk right now. I I laid down a, a couple of cloth napkins, and I and I moved my keyboard far far away. Yeah, from the I, recording I, situation. Nothing is in danger, but uh, yeah, I wish I had a napkin down. That would have been smart. You got to put a towel down before recording greatest gen pen. <laughs> <laughs> it's so important. Yeah, this is uh, recording greatest gen on our moon. <laughs> <laughs> all you have to do is put down a towel uh, we're, you and I are both very committed to the idea at this point <laughs> <laughs> at this point Captain Janeway has figured it out and she basically turns to camera she's like there's an alien on board it's able to control anyone for whatever yeah. their dark purpose is yeah. And at this point, it's been all about preventing them from getting back to the nebula. She taps her communicator badge and does a shipwide message and she says, This is the captain. Anyone that has seen the Denzel Washington film Fallen will <laughs> understand the situation we are in. There is an alien presence on board. It can jump from person to person. Time is on its side. I understand not everyone has seen every Denzel Washington film, but I am here to tell you there is something to be gained from every film that Denzel Washington is in. If you haven't seen all of his work, I recommend the podcast Denzel Washington is the greatest actor of all time, period. Captain Janeway has a very interesting idea as a result because the doc is non-corporeal and the rest of us are. Maybe I should just put my command codes into it. Yeah. The doc is the data of this episode. Kind of a big couple episodes for Doc Holiday, huh? 
like he can't be possessed in the same way. So we'll put him in charge. Like he's not the captain of the ship when she gives the command codes to him, but he's the fail safe. Like he can countermand orders that are given by people that if he suspects they are making orders under duress. Again, there is no choice to him. This is thrust upon him Mm -hmm. and he accepts. Some people earn command codes. Some people are born with command codes and some people have command codes thrust upon them. Right. (laughs) I, I feel like they downplay it in a very smart way, but this is a pretty major moment for his character. I got to tell you the choice of doing the podcast standing up as I've always done. Kind of a great decision during a power hour. Like I can really wow. feel it. I can <laughs> feel the wobble. I'm going to feel the wobble when I get up. I pee sitting down. You pee sitting down? Yeah. Have you ever tried it? I've always done the podcast seated. Hey, buddy, when you're peeing all over your shoe, I'm learning something. This is a real bang bang sequence of events because we cut from the dock getting this great responsibility to the corridor outside where Kess stops Captain Janeway to say that they've confirmed her suspicion. And Tuvok yeah. is like, cool, like maybe we should meld about it. <laughs> and Kess is like, yeah, I'm into that. Let's do it. it. It reminded me of one of my early works as a podcaster. Let's meld about it. Yeah, I love that show. So they head off to do their meld, like, Kes agrees to the mind meld as fast as I would. Like, if I ever got to meet a Vulcan, I'd be like, can we mind meld? Can we mind meld? You and me, mind meld? And uh, I'm sure that a Vulcan would hate me because of that, but... You're, like, grabbing his hands, putting them on your face. Yeah, always. Is this doing it? (laughs) I think I feel something. (laughs) Do you guys feel something? Do you guys all... Is everybody feeling something? Do you think a Vulcan, like a Vulcan has, is so aware mm-hmm. of where their hands and their fingers are? Yeah. How careful do you need to be if you're a Vulcan when you take it out to piss <laughs> or when you touch your own face to oh, yeah. wash it or whatever? Like, can you meld yourself? You don't want to accidentally mind meld your dick. That will fuck your week up. <laughs> What would happen if you melded yourself? I don't know. It's not good. It's they just, probably not good. Here's the thing. Like, you and I have talked about this off mic before. Like, you never want the story of your death to be area man found. Like, <laughs> neither of us want to be found. But no. I feel like if you're a Vulcan, you especially do not want to be found. Because you're going to be found with your hand melding with something you're embarrassed about. Yeah. That would suck. Um, Area Vulcan found melding (laughs) with cantaloupe. (laughs) Area Vulcan found melding pie. (laughs) Yeah. They head off together, and no sooner have they head off than Lieutenant Durst and Ensign Kim find them in a turbo lift. KO'd. Yeah. I love how they're in a pile. It's a very Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan kind of pile. Mm-hmm. Where Kess has fallen gently onto the leg of a Tuvok. Yeah, I remember there was a school play I was in in middle school where my character was killed and I had to, like, in, in <laughs> dying, 
I had to fall over the body of a girl in my class and I was so nervous about being in like physical contact with a girl at that point in my life that it was like I could not sell that death at all like I I was like I was like planking over her like like the yoga pose where I was like holding all of my weight on my elbows and my knees while appearing to to have collapsed over her body yeah that's tough (laughs) that's a tough spot yeah how do you do that as a middle schooler how do you do anything as a middle schooler you don't you really don't yeah you can't yeah it's impossible they're both KO'd Kess is in a coma and god this is getting gassy at this point this is pretty rough hey 52 shots in we're near the finish line we're getting close we're getting close buddy how many beers do you have dead on your on your table? I've got three dead cans, and I'm working on the fourth into what the, the shot fuck? Class. I have five dead cans. What? How is that? Are that you seemed... doing ounces or ounce and a halfs? Ounce and a half. Did I measure wrong? Am May- I fucking myself over? <laughs> I think your glass is fucked up, man. I thought it was like five and a half beers in a in a power hour. I mean, I thought to I I plan on drinking five and a half beers <laughs> on the show, but I'm telling I I know I've dropped a couple of shots. Like I the buzzer isn't buzzing. I'm talking, which has skipped me some beers. I'm positive I'm behind you. We're like right at the halfway point in this episode too. It's a fucking mess. This is bad. This is a bad episode. <laughs> I think that if Kess had been dressed as Spider Kess, here comes the Spider Man. She would not have been in a coma. Did you know that the actor who plays Lord Burley is named Michael Kumpsty? <laughs> Do you know that that we have edited twenty minutes of Michael Kumpsty content out of this episode? <laughs> I Do thought, you know how hard would, it was for I Michael I thought you Kumpsty. wouldn't bring that up again, Adam. We talked about this at the end of the Kumpsty run. When you're born Michael Kumpsty, you can only be an actor. <laughs> you can only be an actor whose job it is to end up as a punchline on a bad Star Trek podcast. <laughs> yeah. Michael Kumpsty, a lifetime of name disparagement. I respect him. Yeah. So some pretty rugged shit has happened to Cass. When they find them, her neck has like a pretty obvious bruise on it. And when we come back from commercial, we're in a McLaughlin group. Issue one. A dark McLaughlin group where the lights are not on in the observation deck. And they are talking about what happened here. And... Chewbacca is present. He's fine. He's again fine. Like this is this should be suspicious though. Like in that turbo lift pig pile, he's fine. He goes right back to work. <laughs> Here's the thing, guys. Everyone at this McLaughlin group who has any sort of awareness of the anatomy, when you mention trapezius bruising, you know it's neck pinch related. I wrote you down Vulcan neck pinch five or seven minutes before it came up in the show. Our our friends of DeSoto who were in the Jim Shimoda group spelled with a G, they know where the traps are. Those are our trap queens and kings. Hell yeah. 
They know exactly what's happening here. And and let me tell you something. Kess not doing the shoulder shrugs in the gym in order to get trapezius pain. Yeah. The- this is clearly a, a neck pinch related situation. Oh, no, no, stupid. You got it much too high. It's down here where the shoulder meets the neck. Objection noted. We'll do this without you. Do it. Do it. Do it. This is a great Dark McLaughlin group, as you've mentioned, because the paranoia is on full display. I love it. Yeah. Kim goes silent for a minute. He's like lost in a reverie, and it's like a fucking tarantino scene like it's guns out everybody is pointing (laughs) dustbusters at each other and tricorders at each other i love this moment because it's so benign kim actually does just stop and think about the situation and it gets phasers drawn on him if every time i stopped mid-conversation or just went off into my own mind world (laughs) with anyone and was in danger of having a phaser drawn on me what were you doing just now i would have been killed 20 years ago (laughs) you definitely wouldn't have this podcast yeah most of the editing on the show is when adam just goes off in a fugue state for a few minutes yeah happens all the time That's, that's where you load up on your jokes Kim was not possessed, though, but this amount of paranoia feels dangerous. I guess my mind started to wander a bit. I'm very disturbed by what just happened here. And Captain Janeway is more willing to take BLT's proposal for action because of it, I'd say. Yeah, and the proposal is we're going to do this magneton scan. We're going to reconfigure all the sensors on the ship, the ship-wide Everyone's going to get off the ship. And then allow this beam to go through it to clean the ship. And this is our favorite kind of Star Trek episode where you evacuate the ship, the beam goes through, Captain Janeway leaves her saddle on board, has to go back on to get it. She's going to get to the bottom of this. Yeah. Killing wise. I like the plan. It kind of reminds me of the shoot a shoot a pulse and reveal the presence of the Kazon ship. Yeah. That kind of, kind it's of, gli- uh, it's the glitter idea. bomb plan. <laughs> and so that's the plan. And they, the meeting breaks up and we cut down to six bay where, uh, the doctor is working hard on Cass and Neelix is down there working out his theories about Ensign Parsons who ordered his Pajuda cold Vincent Parsons is always getting his Pajuda hot. Yeah, that his actions are suspect. The theme of paranoia is being explored via the character of Neelix here. Right. And uh, is Pajuda a real thing? I, I've never heard of Pajuda. I don't know. If it's a real thing, respect. And if it's a fake thing, I think that one thing that this show does really well is come up with fake food names. Did you pause the power hour? Why isn't it going? The clock just stopped. I didn't pause it. It stopped at 59 shots. All right, let's just take our 60th shot, and then we're in the clear. I mean, I'm going to keep drinking. I'm committed to the idea now, and I probably need to catch up to you, given that I'm done with my fourth can, and you've had like eight cans of beer. I'm past five and a half cans. I don't know. I don't know what happened. It seems impossible. And yet, if you've ever listened to a Power Hour episode, you know- <laughs> That I find a way. Every time. I find a way to fall two beers behind of you, Ben. Adam, uh, 
finds a way. <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> Why aren't we using the buddy system at this point? We're aware in the universe of the episode that there's a there's an apparition going into yeah. and out of people telling them to do things on their station that can be destructive or dangerous to everyone else. And yet, like Tuvok is walking around the station wearing a dustbuster alone, going places like Six Bay. Well, the big problem I had in this episode is that they didn't all lock up their guns early in this situation. You got to do that, I think. If anybody can be possessed by this thing... Put all the guns in a 36-hour gun locker or something. If the command codes are worth giving to a holographic party, you got to take the weapons off the board, too. That makes sense, right? It does. And like when Tuvok walks into Six Bay, it's the and first time- And what a time- great scene would that be, Ben? Giving the command codes to the dock, locking up the weapons. Yeah. It would have been, been good. I mean, yeah. I like the threat of Tuvok. Walking into Six Bay, right? What are you doing? It's the first moment where Tuvok feels singled out as potentially a bad actor, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't tip the hand of the episode. It doesn't reveal him to be the villain in this scene. Mm -hmm. You're just paranoid about him. And when paranoia is the theme of the episode and Tuvok walks into a room and we're paranoid about him, but then nothing happens. It like it it does that thing where you go like, oh, like maybe it isn't Tuvok. And but we're we're pretty sure it's Tuvok. <laughs> we are. But the next scene is him walking into the into the captain's ready room and saying like, even I could be the guy. You know, there we is don't a know. conspicuous dustbuster in this scene though. Like there's something about the framing and the blocking of it when Tuvok goes into Captain Janeway's ready room where I yeah. felt very threatened. By him going in there and then in quick succession, like the trapezius bruising is made clear and the forcible neck pinch is revealed to be a thing. And then Captain Janeway wants the doctor to scan Tuvok, but the doc has been turned off. It, It really, this episode does a great job in heightening the paranoia. It's not just initial paranoia, it's paranoia on top of paranoia. When it's one paranoia. person in the room with Captain Janeway, that it feels dangerous to be in a room alone with Tuvok. Yeah. I think that also low-key, the line where he says the magneton scan is even going to affect him. Yeah. Makes you paranoid because it's like, why are you like making it about yourself, man? Like, yeah. it's everybody. And like, why would we imagine that you were immune to it for any reason? This next scene is bug nuts because on the bridge captain janeway is like all right i've decided to give the codes to the doctor for safekeeping and then all hell breaks loose because captain janeway attacks tuvok and then paris shoots captain janeway and then kim (laughs) shoots at tuvok and then durst shoots at tuvok and then tuvok stuns everyone with a full spread phaser blast it's like a bar fight on the bridge, man. It's, it's like, great. It's one of it's, the best bridge scenes ever, I think. In Star Trek history. Like, everybody on the bridge of a Federation starship losing trust in each other in a single instant and starting to fight each other is such a scary idea. And this scene does a great job of depicting how scary that would be. 
I don't want to put you on the spot, but like phasers being discharged on a bridge seems like such a rarity that like best of both worlds part one is the place where my mind goes. I don't remember this being a quality of Star Trek very I, often. I wrote down this is a Locuta situation in my notes. Yeah. It's because, a low-key Locutus, isn't it? There you go. Because the the thing about Locutus is you hate to feel like you are blaming Picard for it because it's not... It's happening... <laughs> that was such a gross noise. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to take it off the lip there. Yeah. <laughs> take it, I'm going to take that sip of Oli off the lip. No one should listen to this episode. This is terrible. It's terrible, but it's it, like we don't have a choice. The game tells us what to do. Yeah. You're thinking about, does Tuvok have any agency in this? Does Did he do it? Like when Janeway punched him, was she the bad guy or was he the bad guy? <laughs> That's like, such a great point. Is it Ghost or is it Tuvok? Yeah, because like one of the perspectives in that scene is the predator perspective, like yeah. the POV flying around the room, Tom Paris doing the like Steven Seagal gut punch, face punch, backhand move on Harry Kim. Like it's really intense and they have tuned each other up to a huge degree. And there's like the EMH is down. So when we cut down to six bay, it's Tom Paris administering shots to people. Which is great. Like, it's time to redeem Tom Paris. He was left in Six Bay to be the doctor in the EMH's absence. <laughs> and he's back there saving the day. He sure is. I do not feel good. I don't like <laughs> I don't like this. Yeah. But I'm gonna crack another beer. Crack the beers, dude. I have a full six pack down at this point. This sucks. This sucks. I just cracked my sixth. <laughs> I don't know how I fell so far behind. I don't really understand that part. I'll tell you how I, I talk too much. Yeah, you did too much talking. A little less of me would really benefit the show at this point. Of course, it's locked in. Do it. Listen to me very carefully because I'm only going to say this once. So Paris hyposprays Captain Janeway back into consciousness, and uh, Kim says it'll take hours to get the doctor back online. Which means we're stuck with these people. We're stuck with the corporeal crew. Yeah. I thought a lot about how Chicote wasn't a part of this episode at all. All he has been is a face we've cut to on a bio bed. If you're Robert Beltran, this is the dream, right? Yeah, you're chilling out in your star wagon. Only like... being shot from the nipples up. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. And now uh Robert Picardo also chilling out in the star wagon. Janeway heads down to engineering where BLT has like a pretty a pretty major revelation for her, which is uh, the sensor logs on the shuttle that they've been looking at, they thought were destroyed in the attack and in fact were deleted intentionally. Because someone erased it from the archive memory. The realization is that there was no other ship. No other ship. And that Why means- would Tuvok lie? Tuvok has been talking bullshit this entire time. Yeah, and what's great, this is one of the best scenes in the episode. Tuvok, in this moment, is like, hey, I've got a route to suggest to the nebula. <laughs> but because paranoia is at an all-time high, 
aided by the coincidental report of Kes's neck pinch. Yeah. No one wants to follow this path into the nebula. No one wants to listen to Tuvok. What the fuck, Tuvok? This path seems sus AF. And Harry's put in the middle of this because Harry, like the con has been given to Harry. And like, unlike being put in between the Delaney sisters at the same time, this isn't pleasurable at all for (laughs) for Ensign Kim. He's in between Tuvok and Captain Janeway. This is when Tuvok shows shows his hand. He pulls out that wide beam phaser. He explains it's on kill. Wide beam kill setting. Great setting, Tuvok. When you absolutely positively got to kill every motherfucker in the room, except no substitutes. We've already seen what it does earlier on a stun setting. Like, you, all you have to do, you don't even have to aim it. <laughs> yeah, you just hold it up over your head. And- it's, it's, it's Bluetooth instead of old remote control technology where you have to aim it at the TV. Mm-hmm. This time you just have to, it just works in the Apple parlance. <laughs> It just kills. <laughs> yeah, all it does. It just, boom, pops to life and works. So, like, the entire crew of the bridge, aside from Tuvok, are, like, off in a corner under the threat of this wide beam set to kill Phaser. And he walks over to Kim's console and sets their path. Yeah. And they start flying into this nebula. Everyone's gathered in a hostage situation kind of way. Which yeah. allows them to like kind of whisper to each other, sort of voce. Yeah. Kim it's, tells uh, Captain Janeway that I'm picking up some kind of energy pulses in the nebula, highly coherent with a biomatrix. And they're headed toward them. And this is the moment in the episode where Tuvok says, "I am Komar. I am a Komar. There are other Komar in there. We're gonna yeah. go get them." And and the whole idea is like. The brains that you took from Chicote, and I'm going to be honest, not very satisfying for anyone involved. <laughs> the promise of the rest of the brains on this ship is what I'm heading toward. I'm hoping to bring these brains to the Komar for feeding. And we cut to engineering and a ghost is floating towards BLT. BLT hits a couple of keys at her station. Warp core ejected. What? That warp core is gone. No more warp core. He took it out. Yeah, they're going to thrust her around like a bunch of bums. <laughs> you can't get around space on thrusters only. This is terrible. Thrusters are what you use in and around a starbase. Thrusters are for chumps. Thrusters are the caution lights of starships. Yeah. You're hitting the triangle button. You're hitting the hazards. Voyager's hazard hazard flashers are on from this point yeah. on. BLT is not allowed to just summarily eject the core. Though. No. That no. has to come from uh, one permission. of the top two. And yeah. uh, only the captain and Chakotay are allowed. And that just, just doesn't make sense. How could Chakotay have done it? He's lying brain dead on a slab in Six Bay. Yeah. And everyone's hoping that he just dies. <laughs> they finally put it together. Chicote has been trying to keep them out of the nebula while the other ghost has been trying to get them inside it. Yeah, it's, there's it's two opposing ghosts. There's two ghosts. Yeah. The thing we need to understand is that there's more than one ghost here. It's Slimer versus the blue ghost of the upcoming Ghostbusters movie. 
And this is where Tuvok starts to villain monologue. He starts to explain that the Komar want to eat their neural energy. This is going to be great for the Komar. It's going to like set them up for generations. It's going to be really big for them. Very excited for the Komar. This is a huge deal for the Komar. And they were like, not so fast, Tuvok. Not so fast, the Komar. And Janeway does one of the great, like, (laughs) dive across the bridges and hits. I guess they've set the magneton scan up to be triggered by a single button on the captain's seat. I love the blocking of this. No one ever dives under the horseshoe on the D. No. But, But on the Voyager, you can, like, to the extent that this is a horseshoe, Captain Janeway ducks under here. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Camera flashes like the step and repeat at the premiere of a Star Trek series. (laughs) And everybody gets knocked out, but Tuvok most of all. Yeah, that's the most important one to get KO'd. And the Komar leaves Tuvok's body and slimers through a wall and out into space. RSVP the Komar. Yeah. They do a little science on what kind of entity it is. They say it's a Trianic-based entity. No one knows it, what that is. No one it's cares. Another, it's another energy being from a nebula, like 50% of the total Voyager episode so far. The nebulas seem extremely dangerous at this point, and we should it's, be wary of them. Like, I definitely wouldn't be sending a shuttlecraft at one. Like the two key themes of Voyager episodes at this point are nebulas are full of entities and we need to be very careful around them, and single crew members are worth setting everything about getting home aside for doing whatever we can to save them no matter how long the odds are on that. It's insane. Yeah. (laughs) It's totally crazy. Harry Kim says, uh, listen, man, we could, we don't really know how we got in here because Tuvok was doing all the piloting and I know we need to get out, but we don't really know which direction to point the ship. We could even be going deeper into the nebula. And Janeway's like, I don't really mind. If we go in, that's good. If we go out, yeah, that's fine too. As long as we feel something, it's okay <laughs> with me. So uh, we're going deeper in. Yeah. We cut down to Six Bay where the Predator POV takes over Neelix's body and walks over to Chakotay and rearranges the magnetison wheel. Neelix is like, how are these rocks even sticking to this tapestry? I don't understand it. He comes to and, and radios up to the bridge and says, I rearranged all the rocks on the medicine wheel and I don't even know why I did it. I don't have any memory of doing it in the first place. I love, and everyone watching the live feed will have noticed, something came off of your ceiling. Something <laughs> is dangling. Something, there's, oh, some, just, there's a power strip. Yeah, you're just seeing the, you're just seeing the, like, that's my hair light for when we live stream. Oh, yeah. That's why you look so good. That's why yeah. the Friends of DeSoto love the live stream so much. Yeah. Uh <laughs> <laughs> this thrusters only path out of the nebula seems pretty fraught and they and their reward for this path is a bunch of bangers yeah in following the stony path probably the biggest thing that this episode asks us to swallow is the idea that the captain knows 
several dozen camera positions in six bay because mm-hmm. she says bring up surveillance camera 16 and show that image to us on the yeah. main viewer and it's like a perfectly framed shot of the magnetison wheel <laughs> yeah that is not a hipaa approved camera situation in six bay no. <laughs> and also like the idea that the camera captain would know like there, if there are up to 16 cameras, what's the perfect one to call up for? Right. Give me a break. But what they realize is that the rocks have been arranged at, in exactly the right positions to map onto of their course. star charts. And that gives us a path out of the nebula. Yeah. And it's like your classic, the Death Star is exploding and we got to get the Millennium Falcon out into space before it happens kind of a situation. The aliens are attacking the shields. It's such a chill version of that, though. Yeah. And I think the reason for that is it's not a high-speed escape. It's just a very chill thrusters-only escape. Right. They should have gotten the warp back online to, like, really, like, sell this, I feel like. Yeah. But they clear the cloud, and shields are at full strength, hull integrity, just where you want it to be. No, no aliens have made it back on board. They made it out clean, and the button on the episode is... Look, I'm not a perv or anything, Ben, but I want to see that warp core reinserted into the ship. I don't know why they didn't give us that shot. So far in Star Trek, we've never seen what that looks like. I know. I'm going to... I want to see gonna, it going in. I'm going to blow your mind, Adam. We do get to see Voyager's warp core out in space coming up i'm excited for that but also like i feel like i've seen a lot of warp cores in star trek and it doesn't do anything for me at this point I, what i really want to see is it going in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's the only I thing understand. that's going to make me feel anything anymore <laughs> okay <laughs> that is all described in a captain's log and what is also described is yeah we just worked chakotay's mind back into his body like that presence that was POVing around the ship was Chakotay, and he back. How can you ever trust him again? Is my question. I don't How know. can you ever trust Tuvok again either? Yeah, Tuvok has had some trust-shaking moments already on the show. Chakotay has now. They should have had to give him over, take his body, let us go. Seems like a fair <laughs> trade. Wow. Your impression of Janeway gets better and better. (laughs) Take his body and let him go. (laughs) There's coffee in that corpse. (laughs) He describes this like phenomenon of being a floaty disembodied presence. Oh, hold on. I have a bit. I have a bit. We need to do this together. I gotta get okay. I gotta get straight for this. <laughs> okay. Forget I said any of that, listener. So the button on the episode is that they find the warp core, they reinsert it, and they also reinsert Chakotay's mind. <laughs> but what if they swap them, Ben? In a switcheroo. Mm. Mm. He's the first officer of the Voyager. 
It's what powers the warp drive of the ship. But when they switch places, the crew will find out which spirit animal represents the ship and how fast Chakotay can run. This fall, it's Freaky Chakotay. How great would that be? He should never have pissed in the fountain in the town square alongside the warp core. What if the warp drive were just a coche from now on? This would be great. This would solve a, a ton of problems on the show. You stick the warp drive into Chakotay's brain, I don't think you're losing anything there. Mm-hmm. You could probably yeah. uh, give his quarters to someone else. The good doctor does not confuse the brains and the warp core, which is unfortunate. You know what the fun person in the writer's room proposes that idea? Whoever you uh-huh. are out there, I toast you. Mm-hmm. You toast everybody. That's how drunk you are. I don't feel good. I mean, yeah, I, I feel, feel good, but also bad. <laughs> Chicote describes his experience about how he could manipulate people into touching things. Mm-hmm. Doing things. Hmm knocking people around when he chose the awesome power of the ghostly apparition that was Chicote. Yeah. It's a little creepy that he describes taking over someone's body yeah. as I didn't became like one with them. Yeah. Don't like that one bit. Chicote. Okay. I think you need to moderate your description take, a little bit. Take that shit out with the trash. Fuck that. You know, I could go into and out of anyone I chose if I just concentrated a little bit. Yeah. No good. You're no good. Did you like Cathexis, Adam? You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullying. I don't like friends. And I don't like you. Here's the main problem I had with Cathexis. Mm-hmm. Hey, maybe drop a buoy. Prepare a buoy and launch it when ready. Warning buoys. An emergency buoy. A warning buoy. Near the most mm. dangerous part of space you've ever seen. <laughs> this is like the Nubbin episode, though, right? In a way that I liked. I yeah. love a Body Snatchers episode of Star Trek. I love that episode of TNG where Picard is taken over and then he shoots lightning into the con and the op stations. Like, you're not sure who you can trust. I like yeah. that. I like those aspects to this episode. I think it's, I think those are the aspects that make it good. I mean, balance. I think it's a really good episode. You got to give yourself over to the the creepiness of it, and I did. That's why I like it. When you say the word paranoia early in an episode, the way this one does, and then exploit that theme for what it is worth, yeah, and think about it. This episode is grabbing the paranoia utters and just fucking rocketing the milk at us. Yeah. Like grabbing all the udders, like yanking. And like when you like, when you're like galaxy braining this episode and thinking back on the fact that Ensign Kim was like lost in thought and it was Tuvok that was actually the first person to stand up and, and point a phaser at him. You're like, oh fuck, like the paranoia was being yeah. developed in a way that like, was designed to manipulate and but designed by the bad guy to manipulate. Right. And like that is super well done. I think that it's also like 
classic Star Trek when Janeway is like, hey, like you didn't need to like steal our ship and try and steal all of our mental energy. We could have just tried to help you and find a way for you Can't to- Can't we negotiate in a way where <laughs> we give you Chakotay and then you allow us to go free? <laughs> That would have been, I mean, like that, I mean, I just, I, I thought it was a good episode. I, th- I think that season one of Voyager so far, we're 12 episodes in and there's only three episodes left in season one. And I'm it's like- It's weird how it's structured, right? Like every other season of Star Trek Voyager gets 30 episodes and this one gets 15 or whatever. Kind of a lot of bangers for a first season of Star Trek. I like it. I good like job it by them. Look, the only misstep so far has been not killing Chakotay. well adam this is an episode of the show that is happening during a max fun drive and uh, we would usually cut to a priority one message right now but instead we're gonna cut to another pledge break priority one message from starfleet coming in on secured channel need a supplemental income supplemental income supplemental supplemental yeah it's extra but the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. I'm Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. I can't believe how sober we sound for this. <laughs> Adam, I got a big question for you. What's that, Ben? We're very drunk. Oh yeah. We're deep at the bottom of an Olympia beer can. I'm lost point. in a nebula. <laughs> but did you find any Shimode that were drunker than you in this episode? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda. I'm going outside the show and I'm giving my Shimoda to Tim Russ. Tim Russ gets to play all the angles here in this episode in what has to be a very satisfying way for an actor. Yeah. I think he does really great work here. In a way that, like, I don't know, if you're a Vulcan, it must be hard for other characters to feel any differently about you than normal. But there's a quality about the Tuvok character in this episode that is very suspicious. Mm-hmm. And there's an ability by Tim Russ to make Tuvok suspicious here uh, that's really well done. So... I'm going to give my drunk Shimoda to Tim Russ, who has got to be having a ton of fun goosing the suspicions of of everyone around him to that end. What about you, Ben? I'm going to give mine to Robert Beltran. Oh, yeah. Got to do the same thing that uh, Garrett Wong did in the last episode, which is just chill out until the very end of the episode and be like, hey, guys, what happened? Anything interesting while I was gone? Hmm. No? Okay. Back to normal. That's great. It was a fun episode for him. All he did was lie on a slab. This was a pretty fun episode for us to do as a more hammered episode, I would say. It was, but uh, I think we need to find out what way we will be doing the next episode of the show. And for that, I'm going to have to do the gach.biz slash game website where we keep the game of buttholes colon the will of the prophets yeah hopefully the next episode is just a lot of gatorade 
<laughs> and some fur. Oh, that sounds really good right now. Doesn't it? Yeah. Not that I need more liquid in my body, but pho does sound really good. Right no, now. I'm ready to leave the stage and go hit a bathroom. We need to end this episode, Ben. We do. Uh, so I will describe season one, episode 13, Faces. Voyager's half-human, half-Klingon chief engineer Torres is split into two beings by a scientist desperate to cure the plague that's destroying his people. Oh, no. Is this a Tuvix situation? Is this pre-Tuvix? It's a Tuvituation. Well, Tuvix was the combination. Mm-hmm. And this sounds like the separation. It does. This is going to be I... a loafless oh, yeah, BLT. This will be the first time I've seen a loafless uh, Roxanne Dawson since I saw her play a character on an episode of Baywatch. <laughs> Whoa. You know what? That should be the next bonus episode of Greatest Gen. Oh, yeah. Show me that Baywatch app, Ben. Our smash hit side podcast, The Santa Monica Mountains. Yeah. Let's do another one of those. That's what I'm into. Yeah. Very problematic episode that she's in. Oh, no. (laughs) You're required to learn as you play. Roll. I'm going to go ahead and head to gach.biz slash game and roll this bone. We are currently on square 100, the Mornhammered Square. Yeah. And I have no what idea. What happens now? I don't know. I don't know what happens now. I'm going to hit this roll button and see what what does happen. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. I've rolled a three, and what that has done is put us on square three. There you go. Regular old episode next week. There's our answer. We're gonna we're gonna be stone cold sober for the second week of the Max Fun Drive. What a relief! If you're listening to this during the Max Fun Drive, head to maximumfun.org/join. And if you're not listening to this during the Max Fun Drive, head to maximumfun.org/join. Yeah, yeah. It's the right thing to do. That's the right thing to do. This is worth supporting. That's what we've proven here. Adam, we got some credits to read here at the end of the show as I work my way through my, I think, seventh beer. God, I'm very wobbly on my sixth. (laughs) Just standing up, wobbling around the mic. Yeah. You'd never see us this drunk at a Greatest Gen live show. Not since our first national tour. Have we been this drunk on a live show? Yeah, doing a good job. Or the last Boston show. I'd say I was this drunk on the last Boston show. Yeah, Boston really brings it out in you. Yeah. And by yeah, I mean us. <laughs> we got to thank our buddy Adam Ragusia, who made all of the original theme music for this show. The Janeway song, of course, based on the original Picard song by Dark Materia, which you are hearing low under our voices right now. Right. We also got to thank Bill Tilly, the card daddy, who runs our social media at Greatest Trek on Instagram and Twitter. You can use the hashtag Greatest Gen on any social media device of your choice. And we encourage you to join the Greatest Gen groups on Reddit or Facebook or the drunkshimoda.com discord and check out uh, greatestgen.wikia.com to take a forensic look at the origins and development of all of the 
idiotic running jokes of our show. Yeah, a big reason why people can engage with us on social media is Bill Tilly. Like, Bill Tilly, one of the great decisions you and I have ever made. True. Involving him with the Uxbridge Shimoda family of products. Bill Tilly, the face of us on social media. The human shield of us on social media. <laughs> one, of, one of the people who make being a fan and listener of The Greatest Generation so much fun. He rules. we got to thank all the friends of DeSoto who have supported the show over the years. And if you are thinking about doing it, this is the time to do it. This episode is coming out during the Max Fun Drive. Head to MaximumFun.org slash join right now and set up monthly support. It really is like the main uh, source of support for this show. We love the P1s. We love the other ways people support but monthly support on maximum fun is the is the primary source of income for our show and we hugely hugely appreciate everyone that does it really is it yeah fucking like rules like when you do a recording of greatest gen like you are aware of it being present in the time that it's being recorded but also that it's going to live on into the future so yeah for anyone listening to the greatest generation right now just know that your support at any time is crucial at maximumfund.org slash join supporting it now during the max fund drive just benefits you because you get fun prizes during yeah but the important thing is supporting the show if you listen to the show every week i think that has a value hope it does to you anyway so thanks for your support if you do We hugely appreciate it. We love all of you. And with that, we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager and an episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager that uh, splits the two hosts into one human and one non-human host. And we'll let you speculate on who that is. I would bet everything that I'm the non-human. (laughs) MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned Audience supported